following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. So, welcome. Thank you for coming tonight. Um, I feel very happy to be back here. I was here on Sunday, and the after flavor of being here was very sweet. Just um, such a strong sense of community, of people coming together to support each other in a really helpful and useful way. So it's, it's wonderful to be back. And tonight's talk is called Appreciating Goodness. And when I reflect on it, I think it really stems from wanting to talk about something that in my own journey was a bit of a surprise. That, you know, I came to meditation. Um, yes, I was quite young when I came, <laughs> when I first started meditating. And, you know, was suffering a lot in my own life. And felt like, you know, wanting to wake up in some way. Wanting to know something of what my potential as a human being is. And on that journey, there's been a lot of time of really exploring suffering, you know, of that which is painful, the knots that we um, experience in our lives. And that was great. That was really helpful. I've learned a lot from it. But then at some point, there became a sense of looking to that which is filled with goodness, to recognizing in myself and others really wholesome qualities, really helpful qualities. And then, at a certain point, this was put into a context for me by um, Mingyur Rinpoche, who is the, the teacher, the main teacher from Tarkov. Um, and this is from, he wrote a book called um, The Joy of Living. And this is from the book. He says, when you're trained as a Buddhist, you don't think of Buddhism as a religion. You think of it as a type of science, a method of exploring your own experience through techniques that enable you to examine your actions and reactions in a non-judgmental way with a view towards recognizing, oh, this is how my mind works. This is what I need to do to experience happiness. This is what I should avoid to avoid unhappiness. At its heart, Buddhism is very practical. It's about doing things that foster serenity, happiness, and confidence, and avoiding things that provoke anxiety, hopelessness, and fear. The essence of Buddhist practice is not so much an effort at changing your thoughts or your behavior so that you can become a better person, but in realizing that no matter what you might think about the circumstances that define your life, you're already good, whole, and complete. It's about recognizing the inherent potential of your mind. In other words, Buddhism is not so much concerned with getting well as with recognizing that you are right here, right now, as whole, as good, as essentially well as you could ever hope to be. 
the next line is, you don't believe that, do you? (laughs) I'm just going to read this last bit again, because I love it. (laughs) Um, And it's powerful. When I first, you know, this was a, uh, you know, when I first read this and came across it, at the end, it was just like, whoa, my mind stopped for a moment there. So I'll read this part again. The essence of Buddhist practice is not so much an effort at changing your thoughts or your behavior so that you can become a better person, but in realizing that no matter what you might think about the circumstances that define your life, you're already good, whole, and complete. It's about recognizing the inherent potential of your mind. In other words, Buddhism is not so much concerned with getting well as with recognizing that you are right here, right now, as whole, as good, as essentially well as you could ever hope to be. So what do you think? Does that ring true? Or does that seem like something that's really far-fetched? Can we believe this? Or have a sense of it in ourselves? That we are already good, whole, pure? That we are okay as we are? Anyone? What's up? When we're here. When we're here. Right. <laughs> Good point. When we're here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mind goes to screwed up as I am. How is that possible? I mean, it begins listing all my faults. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So he said that um, he, he's, you know, just very quickly aware of how screwed up he feels and his mind starts listing all his faults. Anybody have that experience? No. No. (laughs) It's interesting. Um, As I speak and, you know, in your lives, it's, it's not that we want to believe this, but to hold it as a possibility. And for me, just a huge shift happens in that. Because... I have been so sure that I'm not okay, that I really do need a lot of work to fix things. You know, that's been, you know, the basis of coming to my practice, to fix all of these flaws that I can list off quite readily. And, you know, all of my perceived imperfections. What I've noticed in my own life is that that is actually quite a painful place to practice from. Because one of the things that held true in my experience, and not that I don't lapse into it still, but is that I can never achieve that great perfection. You know, if I if something seems to alleviate in some way, then there's a new imperfection that that surfaces. And that there, you know, the, the bar is just unattainable and just leaves me with a feeling of not being good enough. 
And so what I've noticed is if I can sit with the possibility that this can be true, is that instead of trying to fix something, get something through my practice, it's shifted it more into a place of relaxing back and being aware of what is here, what is present. And just that sense of, of, you know, as these faults present themselves, really letting them be the place of practice, which is what they were always meant to be, but not getting caught so much in the trying to get rid of, but just allowing everything to be held within the light of awareness. And this light of awareness is really key and fundamental in the discovery of that which is already good, that which is whole, pure, that is our very nature. And that awareness is a part of that nature. And that awareness is what will help to illuminate for us to recognize our nature, to be able to see. And one of the things, or things that we start to see as awareness begins to stabilize, where there is that just sense of resting in presence, letting things be as they are, not needing to perfect, to change, to fabricate anything. But this awareness, which is natural, which is accessible, it's here (coughs) and now with us if we just recognize it. And it's just so settling back and letting be. And then with that, we start to see the goodness that is our nature, that is unfabricated. You know that um, you've probably heard a lot if you've been coming here for a while about the Brahma Viharas, the divine abidings, the qualities of loving kindness, compassion, um, mudita or appreciative joy, equanimity. These are qualities that are our divine home. In um, Tibetan Buddhism, these are called the four immeasurables. And these qualities are really naturally there when the mind is undistracted and when we just let these qualities be seen. We begin to notice these qualities in our experience. So we begin with awareness, just that natural knowingness of mind, and that willingness to let things be as they are, which in itself, just from that, we start to experience some calmness, where we're not fighting with what's happening in our experience, that we can be present to and begin to see things in a deeper way, to not just be living on the surface of life, and to not be living bound by our views, ideas, and opinions about how things are, but to just that sense of letting drop back, letting things be, letting things be seen in their nature as they are. 
And then as we, you know, going towards what I was talking about, the appreciation of goodness, how do we start to see these qualities of loving kindness, compassion, wisdom, that are our nature, that we begin in very simple ways. Loving kindness, so just a little bit of exploration about this. What is this? So loving kindness in itself embraces qualities of friendliness, gentleness, of benevolence or friendliness of heart. Like you're just a caring, a wish to be happy or that others be happy. You know, that in our lives that we can know true happiness. And so an expression of loving kindness is in our desire to be happy. And this is something that moves us throughout our day. It moves us in all of the little things that we do in our lives. It moves us in coming here. You know, part of our motivation in coming here was a sense that there might be something in just sitting here, being with others. We might hear something that would bring us happiness. In when we get up in the morning and we feed ourselves, a sense that on some level, this is going to bring happiness. That, um, you know, as we sit down, we either sat on a cushion, we sat in a chair, we probably sat to where we thought the body would be most comfortable. And so, you know, in, in so many little ways, all the time, we're looking for this happiness. We have a deep desire to know happiness. You know, something that does happen is that we are often looking for happiness outside of ourselves and looking for happiness in misguided ways. But the impulse itself is really wholesome. It's to know that which will bring us happiness. The quality of compassion. You know, compassion is sometimes described as that quivering or trembling of the heart in response to suffering. It's where we come in contact with pain. And, you know, it's just that movement to want to do something to alleviate that pain, to, to be of help, to um, be of service. A description that I really appreciate about compassion is that of standing with suffering. It's where we come in contact with pain and there's a fearlessness of heart that allows us to stay present. And in that staying present, there can be the active part of compassion, which might be moved to be of help, to be of service, to do something, which, you know, compassion in our lives can be very simple, anywhere from just if someone's really in pain, to listening, to bearing witness, just hearing what's happening for that person. Or it might be more active, where um, someone physically hurts themselves, and we try to be of assistance. 
we find this impulse in our lives is also very strong. That in our lives when we experience discomfort, there's the movement to alleviate it. You know, just in sitting here this evening, you know, our body starts to hurt. I know I've moved. (laughs) Uh, You know, just the sense that, oh yeah, if I just shift a little bit, that could help alleviate some pain. And so, you know, this is, is, again, it's based in compassion, that movement of the heart to alleviate pain. And again, in our lives, often this can be misguided, that often we can be looking at a very superficial level of what alleviates pain and not really looking to the cause of suffering in our own hearts and minds. You know, to see that actually our relationship with our experiences is where we create so much pain. But so often we're just trying to shift the furniture to alleviate pain. But again, the impulse, that desire to do that, is coming from a very wholesome place. And so these impulses of loving kindness and compassion are really worth paying attention to, really worth letting be held in awareness, letting be seen in awareness, because that will actually help the wisdom to be seen, to know when that movement of the heart to to be happy is really based in, you know, um, finding chocolate on the shelf and thinking, oh, here's happiness. You know, and going for that chocolate, eating a whole chocolate bar, and then realizing that, no, actually, now we need to be free from suffering. You know, so so when we, we are really with that impulse, we start to go deeper than what the impulse might be for, but to actually feel the place from which that is arising which is an expression of our basic goodness, as it's sometimes called. And so an exploration, a staying present with these impulses that we have in our lives to see what they can reveal to us. And, you know, at times, it's like even in moments where we are really angry, I mean, just think of a situation where there was strong anger in your mind. Also see if you can get in touch with how in that moment you really wanted to be free from suffering. And you might have had the sense that in order to do that, you had to get rid of something, you had to dramatically change something, and so there might have been a lashing out. But it was the sense that in order to be free from suffering for maybe yourself or someone else, that you needed to really act out in a certain way. And then if you get in touch with that sense of wanting to be free from suffering, just allow your mind to rest there, to feel that. And the difference that happens from when we're actually caught in the story of that anger but to to coming back to feeling how strong it is in us 
to want to be free from suffering. It's amazing how quickly, in my own experience, this shifts from being caught in the torrent of anger to dropping into a sense of compassion. And that in some way, in this moment, there is suffering and I want to do something to alleviate it. Because that's where it's coming from. And it shifts. It dramatically shifts the experience in that moment to come back home to that expression in our experience. And it's really the quality of wisdom that recognizes all of this. The quality of wisdom that recognizes when we're doing something, when we're seeking happiness in a misguided way, or when we're trying to alleviate suffering, but probably doing it in a way that is just going to create more suffering. It's wisdom that sees this. It's wisdom that knows. And it's wisdom that knows. Like, just think of a time in your life when you did something that was unskillful, not helpful, and in your gut you knew it. Has this ever happened? (coughs) Occasionally? Yeah. And this is where we see wisdom. You know, it's just being able to recognize this. But again, you know, wisdom in those moments, it doesn't backlash with, wow, you stupid idiot, look at what you're doing. You know, wisdom can see deeper. And it's, you know, we start to have these qualities there in tandem where there's kindness, there's acceptance, there's care. And it's just like the whole picture frame starts to open up. And a sense of coming back home. I'd like to share another teaching from um, Sokni Rinpoche, who is one of Minga Rinpoche's older brothers. Minga Rinpoche was the teacher whom the first quote came from. And this is uh, from Sokni Rinpoche's new book called Open Heart, Open Mind. He says, look at your life. Look at the ways in which you define who you are and what you're capable of achieving. Look at your goals. Look at the pressures applied by the people around you and the culture in which you were raised. Look again and again. Keep looking until you realize within your own experience that you're so much more than who you believe you are. Keep looking until you discover the wondrous heart, the marvelous mind that is the very basis of your being. So the invitation tonight is to look and to keep looking, to keep looking until we discover this basic nature, this inherent goodness, basic goodness, sometimes called Buddha nature, the nature of reality. It's letting our journey be this discovery, this opening to 
this goodness. Yes, we have these faults. That these are, we get entangled. We have habituated ways uh, that we do things that create pain in our lives. Yes, we have patterns that are not helpful. But they just come about through misperceiving, through not seeing clearly, through being caught in the momentum of these habits, and as somebody said, not being here. You know, it's like we check out on some level, and we're not really present in our lives. And yet, these very qualities of loving-kindness, compassion, wisdom, are what are moving us. And as we recognize these qualities, we also see that we all have unique capacities and capabilities. And that we start to manifest these in our lives. We start to bring forth whatever gifts we have. We start to live in a way that we're really realizing our full potential. And in doing so, our lives become a great offering to the world. And we just begin by looking, by awareness. Awareness that is uncontrived. We don't manufacture it. It's here. And just if we sit here right now and the mind is undistracted, is it an empty void? No. There might be a sense of presence. There might be just this natural knowing of all of these experiences that are happening. You know, the sounds in the room, the sound of my voice, the sensations in our body, thoughts in the mind, emotions. It's just knowing. We don't have to do anything to know that. It's all just happening in this field of awareness that is natural, that is our nature. And just a sense of settling back in that. A sense of, you know, to me it's just like we just turn the lights on. And this is actually, um, there's an example a couple of examples that are used of how we are sitting here with this basic goodness, but we just don't recognize it. And so sometimes it's likened to how you could pick up a diamond, but if you didn't know it was a diamond, you would just think it was like any other rock. That it, you know, you know, throw it in the gravel pit. It, you know, wouldn't seem to have any value. But then once you pick it up and you see and you know that it's a diamond, it has all of those qualities that a diamond has. It's purity, that capacity to reflect. And this is what our minds are like, that they are inherently pure, clear, clean, pristine. But this quality of awareness, this is what's there. And this quality of awareness that reveals all these other qualities that are there too. 
No, wisdom that isn't what we learn in school. A wisdom that isn't come from knowing that this equals this equals this. A wisdom that is inherent. A wisdom that can respond to life. A wisdom that isn't fighting with how things are, but is at ease, at home, with how things are. And it isn't, so it isn't like when we do things that are stupid, it, it, all of this isn't there. It's more that it isn't recognized. It isn't seen. So that's where paying attention to these basic impulses starts to turn our minds towards <coughs> seeing these other qualities that are there. And then we just nurture this awareness. We nurture this scene. We nurture these qualities of loving kindness, compassion, wisdom. No, and that's like letting them be in that light of awareness. We keep coming back to this awareness over and over and over again. And yes, we have, or I have, I'll speak for myself, strong habits of distraction, strong habits of being caught up in my thoughts, caught up in the story of my life. But then it's just, yeah, we get caught up, we get lost, as soon as we recognize this, that awareness is there. It's present. We begin again. We're already back. It's not like we have to do something else. Just right in that moment, we begin again. And so our, you know, our journey just becomes that moment of being here, being present, being aware, recognizing what's here, seeing the goodness, getting, stepping into the the stream of that chaos again, of you know the habituated patterns, the ideas, the beliefs, getting lost, and then oh yeah, right here, waking up again, staying present, not trying to hang on to that because that's tiring, because what we're looking to is a really natural awareness. It's not fabricated. What we have to do is have the memory to remember. That's the hard part. So looking in our lives to how do we support that? That memory to look, to be aware, to be present. And, you know, doing things like coming here tonight, that is one way. Having regular meditation practice is another way. Having like-minded friends. Finding, you know, different aspects of our experience that will remind us. I mean, I would invite you, after having heard this talk tonight, to take a look at anger a little bit. In the moment of anger, can you get a sense of how in that moment that feeling of wanting to be free from suffering is present? And what happens when you notice that? You know, so just picking something like that. And maybe it's not, maybe you're not in a phase where you have really strong anger. It could be mild aversion. You know, just look at it in those moments. Or look at it, you know, as we make decisions in our lives where what's motivating us? 
in those moments? Is it coming from, on some level, the desire to be happy? You know, is that, you know, and, and that, you know, it might at some time seem like quite a superficial happiness we're going for. But is it really coming from this, you know, benevolence, of friendliness and inclusiveness of heart that really cares and wants the best for everybody, ourselves included? So just an exploration of this. looking to see the goodness in our lives, seeing it in others, noticing in in others when, you know, somebody just um, has that sense of benevolence or you feel cared for by somebody, a moment of kindness, you know, a friendly smile on the street. And, you know, just being reminded of goodness in those moments. Reminded of how that's something we can come back home to. It's not so foreign as it feels. We just are not seeing it. So highlighting it in our experience, you know, taking that blue highlighter, or maybe you like the yellow or the orange, and, and just noticing it when it's present here. You know, it's so easy for us to sit down and come up with that list of faults. You know, to come up with all of our perceived imperfections. You know, we know them well within ourselves. But how much thought do we ever give to things we can appreciate? How much thought do we give to what we can be grateful in our lives? the blessings of our lives. And just seeing what happens as we turn the mind in that direction. I so often think of the the Buddha's teachings as just teachings that turn our mind in the direction of finding true happiness. A happiness that isn't based in changing conditions of life that happiness that is inherent, that happiness that is available to each and every living being. And this is our journey. This is what we can wake up to. And I know, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm really slow in that waking up process, really drowsy, but these moments of appreciating goodness really start to bring a joy to the journey, a joy to the path. You know, and for me, there's often that sense that even though at times what I deal with in life is painful, is difficult, it is still the joyful journey of awakening. And just the sense that there's really nothing else to do with one's life that we will do what we do in our lives because we have unique circumstances, unique capacities, unique gifts, but that it can all be done in that spirit of waking up and embodying, embracing these qualities within us that are our nature.
for me a key in this journey is that of simplicity of of really learning to trust in the power of awareness itself and that that in itself it's like you know just if we're doing actions that are creating harm and we're doing it being fully present and aware we start to feel the effect of that and that that in itself takes care of things you know it's very much like a child who picks up a hot coal you don't have to tell them to put it down you know that when we really start to pay attention and to see that which is creating more suffering in our lives it's quite natural that there's the falling away of that the, the relinquishing of that and that in itself brings joy delight in the journey so an invitation to turn your minds towards the appreciating goodness in whatever ways we can see it in our lives and just to explore the effect that that has and doing this whole investigation in the light of awareness the awareness that is natural that is our nature before i open it up i'd like to share a another teaching from mingyur rinpoche this is from his second book called joyful wisdom at any given moment you can choose to follow the chain of thoughts emotions and sensations that reinforce the perception of yourself as vulnerable and limited or you can remember that your true nature is pure unconditioned and incapable of being harmed you can remain in the sleep of ignorance or remember that you are and always have been awake either way you're still expressing the unlimited nature of your true being ignorance vulnerability fear anger and desire are expressions of the infinite potential of your buddha nature there's nothing inherently wrong or right with making such choices the fruit of buddhist practice is simply the recognition that these and other mental afflictions are nothing more or less than choices available to us because our real nature is infinite in scope so our real nature is infinite in scope and maybe that's just a seed of possibility or maybe we've had some taste of it you know how do have some real resonance you know even in fleeting moments that this is true well i think many of us come to practice we may be suffering but on some level we know we have a sense that there's another possibility now it's something of our homing instinct and this homing instinct you know, just needs to be guided in the right direction so do you have any questions or comments what does just hearing this bring up for you 
Could I take you to see the mentioned about in um, the 12th step how there's a reference to character defects and she finds that in a very similar way to what I've been speaking is that right? a better way of framing it, way of framing it. uh-huh uh-huh okay <laughs> great thank you thank you yes She's just mentioning about how in her own practice, and she thinks for many people, the practice of gratitude or, or the goodness has just been so freeing to do. How, do other people have that experience who've done something with um, gratitude or appreciating goodness in some way? Just have a sense of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know right how to kind of <clears throat> move through this matrix world we live in with all the superficialness and everything that's just thrown at us all the time without getting sad about it. So the question about how to move through this world that is, is you know, seems so superficial at times and um, just being thrown at us and how to not get sad about it. I think... For me, it's like, what can we do in our lives? And what we can do is, is come back home to ourselves and let that have an impact. Let that be what speaks. And that, that you know, that, that's a sense, for, for me it's been huge in my own practice of, you know, at first I certainly had the feeling of practicing to alleviate my own suffering. But then as I practiced and started to see that, you know, just if I walked into an environment and it was volatile and I wasn't so affected by it, you know, I wasn't thrown by it, that that had an impact on the environment. And then starting to see, oh, you know, the, the, this practice, it, you know, it's not like there's an I, me, mine that is separate to, but that it's a way of actually uh, bringing, manifesting that goodness in uh, in life, and it has an effect, and that's what we can do. No, and it can, you know. Certainly, I know other people have inspired me through just how aware and present they are in their lives, and that you know ignites in me the desire to wake up too. And so, that's something very near that we can do. Yeah, and that you know there. But just to speak of the sadness, that when we look around the world, yes, we are exposed to a lot of suffering and a lot of, you know, a sense of 
people just wandering around in a blind daze, not aware of what we're doing. And that that can move the heart. And that's okay too. You know, just that sense of what, what we start to see is it's just happening through ignorance or, or not seeing clearly, misperception, just the same way we experience it, others experience it. And that, that you know, that there is a sadness that's, that's there, but there's also comes the confidence that actually something can be done about it. We can wake up. Yes. I would agree about the gratitude practice about a year ago. I started every morning writing down or saying about everything I'm grateful for. And sometimes all I can think is, I'm glad my car starts every morning. But, mm-hmm. you know, just finding even one thing yeah. to be grateful for. And then you also become attuned, like, I'm having a hard time today. And then yeah. just having that kind of awareness. But it, I don't, you have to really just put out all the negative and to really just focus on the positive. And it is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for your talk. It's just really great. Thank you. Yes. Uh, today I had a coworker who's close to me that he has ADHD. Um, said that he he wanted feedback from his coworkers on his behavior and what he could do to be a better person. And um, I was kind of at a loss for words, and I, I wish that I would have come at the top. Today. <laughs> 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 really would have uh, mm-hmm. probably found some better words if I could talk to him to but um, I did try in so many words to say, you know, to to rely on other people to tell you what's wrong is giving them way too much power. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's you know, I didn't manage to tell him to tell him that that's probably something that you're gonna have to figure out for yourself. And, you know, I think what your friend was saying is something that, you know, whether or not we have the same condition, but that it's so, that just, I I just felt that pain of our trying to be a better person. And that in itself is coming from that love and compassion. But again, it's like looking for it out there. Um, It just brings back to me that wish that we could all just look within you know, to to find that orientation, to be able to discover that. It is, it's so painful what we go through as human beings and the, in that search for happiness. But then, you know, this is what, what can bring us back home to and that we all have our own journeys with it. And certainly for me, you know, it's like when in hearing words of someone really in pain, just that being able to be there as you were as best you could. And that's what we can do in that moment. What's that? I said to a link to a meditation site. Thank you. Yes. I think I'm really lucky um, to have the kind of job that I have. I work as a volunteer coordinator for a hospital. And so every day the people that I work with are people who want to help other people. And they're so good-hearted and kind and um, hardworking and 
today we had a recognition luncheon, and I was looking out at about 100 people and, and delivering my remarks, and, and I told them that same thing, that I feel so fortunate to work with volunteers, and because I get to see the goodness of human nature, and I said, if I were a police officer, I would have a really different perspective. And um, so I guess I'm just really aware of that right now, just how good that feels mm-hmm. to be immersed in that every day. And then um, at the last Common Ground Residential Retreat, I managed the kitchen, so I had volunteers um, there too, and I've seen a couple tonight, and I uh, haven't seen them since the retreat. And, just that warm feeling of, of working together and on behalf of you know, to help the other retreatments uh, get their tea and get their dishes washed <laughs> and just um, how valuable volunteerism is, you know, kind of generating our own goodness and kind of getting us out of ourselves and our own life story a little bit and yeah. Yeah. value helping with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can really help to uplift the mind. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can you point it to me? I've been thinking and practicing my own loving kindness a lot in the mm-hmm. last year. And as I was moving into it, I, I was searching for a reason for why I should love myself. Um, <laughs> and, um, well, easier said than done. Um, and um, I mean, some of the kind of the games I played with myself was I can't really genuinely love my wife or kids or my friends if it doesn't start with me. Mm-hmm. And that was very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're taking this, I think, to another spot that's very useful for me tonight. And I think what you're saying is that I have an inherent um, uh, uh, energy to do that. Mm-hmm. And by developing an awareness of that natural tendency um, and not leashing it in, it will kind of roll on its own. Mm-hmm. Am I yeah. yeah, you're hearing well. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think for me, um, I, I think the work that you did this year has been wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And just, I'm just going back to something in my own experience was the tendency to make the qualities of loving kindness and compassion something that were far off in the distant future when I perfected something I would experience rather than being able to see the expression of those qualities in a very immediate form in my day-to-day life. And that just brought it home. I know that um, for me, uh, cooking has not been something that I've been totally fond of. But if I, <laughs> that's my husband can attest to. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
but when I touch into the nurturing quality of that, it totally changes it. And actually, it really helped me one time when I was, had been very sick for a number of years, and there was a day-to-day struggle with getting through life and just the little things that we have to do. But when I started to experience or pay attention to that those were being done to take care, it also brought in that whole sense of nurturance rather than I have to do this. You know, today I have to get up, I have to take out the garbage, I have to do the dishes. But it was all more held in that sense of care. Um, I was just going to say that I I really resonated with the first reading Mm -hmm. and it landed in a way of um, a real gift of confidence and challenge Mm -hmm. to uh, uh, view things, whether it's a difficult situation or a conflict or a transition in life, which has been very close to me the last couple of years. to greet those instead almost with a challenge of basic goodness um, being the ground instead of criticism mm-hmm. or the limitations mm-hmm. of, well, first I have to do this and then I have to do that and I have to keep all these things juggled and in the air and by my own strings. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really opens the field and, and it, it's a welcome challenge to greet those difficult things with, um, I guess I would say, more generosity. But but it it also stirs more confidence Mm -hmm. and kind of more spaciousness. Mm -hmm. So um, I I wasn't prepared to have that reaction to that reading, but (laughs) (laughs) there you go. There you go. (laughs) And the other thing I would say is why would... Why would I, or why would anyone, really want to be limited by the definitions we have of ourselves yeah. that are self-critical? Yeah. yeah. And ultimately, they just plain don't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's so then get wrong. Well said. Thank you. Yes. You know, we probably all have, you know, and it could be bigger labels, smaller labels, whatever, different different things that um, sometimes are measurable in different ways. And if, if we lock ourselves, it would be really easy to pick up an identity of that's who I am. You know, that, and that's the danger in those labels. Sometimes they're helpful because there's certain patterns and then suddenly we realize, oh, there's a label for that. Sometimes it can be freeing. But if it limits us, then that becomes very painful. 
but it could be it could be information sometimes that we get that just tells us that there's a difficult pattern that's here. That's okay. We all, you know, it's like needing to to find the freedom from in these patterns that we have. And for each of us, we have different karma. And I always kind of think of karma as being the, our personalized wake-up pill. And so, you know, we have our little patterns, and but that's the place where we can find freedom when we're where we're bound. You know, but it's a case of how we view that, and that's what that's where if we just hold that as a problem, and maybe it's a problem I can't fix because the world says you can't fix that, then that's going to be trouble. Whereas if we just see that's part of the conditions that are happening right now, how can we be with this? And look towards what's going to help support us to be aware with this. Then then it becomes workable. That's where life becomes workable when we aren't limited by that label, that perception, that pattern. Yeah? Yes? I wonder if it isn't helpful to see things culturally such that our culture teaches us to get happiness from conflict, which Mm -hmm. leads to Mm self-evaluation and also exploitation. Mm -hmm. And that actually this teaching, which is so pervasive in our culture, becomes addictive. Mm -hmm. And so if you see this as something cultural and not really yourself, then I think it's true it can be very helpful too it's like we take it all so personally and that in whatever ways we can help to get that breathing room to it so we can see it in the larger context so we cannot be limited by you know it's like we could sit here limited by looking at these glasses in the room and yet there's this whole big space you know, there's the glasses are one little piece of experience and this whole room. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. You have reminded me of um, watching a I had realized that I had separated 
the moment of lashing out mm-hmm. from the intention to take hold of my own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of what I'm getting from the talk is how the moment of lashing out is also an expression of looking for changing the condition mm-hmm. and also an expression of a desire for my own life. So there's less of a separation yeah. right now between the moment of lashing out mm-hmm. and the moment of reconnecting with her, the moment of reconnecting with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. We have one last hand over here in the back. Yes. So I've been in relation to, to recognizing basic goodness, I've been. Um, playing around a lot with sort of faith or confidence and doubt, uh-huh. and mostly just, not very successfully, but uh, recognizing that I have a lot of faith or confidence in recognizing my not basic goodness. Right. <laughs> so, I, the problem, I don't have a problem with the confidence, it's just I have a problem with the application of the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Great, you're looking. Yeah. And that is an expression of loving kindness and compassion. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so it's nine o'clock. I know that many of you probably have busy days tomorrow. So thank you once again for coming. It's been a joy to be here with you.